What's up, guys? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I created a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. So if you have a new idea, project, or business that you're working on, and you're feeling a little bit stuck, I'd love to help you or connect you with somebody that can. And today, I have a special guest who can definitely help you with their business, as she's a business coach. She reached out to me recently and was asking how she can hop on the podcast. And little did I know that she had already run an event that my wife went to. So I'm more than happy to welcome Vasavi. I want to make sure I said that right, right? Vasavi. Vasavi. There so you go. So close. Welcome to the Thrive on Life podcast. So appreciative of you to come by. It's awesome to have people here again in person. And the first question that I have for you is I was looking at your social media account and saw that you are going to start your podcast again. So my question leads to why the heck did you stop it in the first place? And what brings you here today starting it again? So I started my podcast, Being Human with Vasavi, in 2018. I was uh, three months sober. I had gone to rehab in October of 2017 for cocaine and alcohol addiction. I came out in January, moved into sober living, January of 2018. And I was like, I need to do something with this information. You know, being newly sober, you know, I'd never... I'd never been sober because I'd always dabbled in, you know, drugs and alcohol recreationally, and then it became a problem. It wasn't a problem until it became a problem, and it became a problem. And I said, I'm going to start this podcast, Being Human with Vasavi. So started the podcast, I believe, in January of 2018, if I'm not mistaken. And it was just solo episodes at that point. And things were going well with it, uh, you know, recording regularly. But then what happened was the guy that I was with, the ex that I just had decided to go back to after I got sober, note to self, when you get healthy, do not go back to people who are still sick. <laughs> just need to say that. It is not your job to save the world. It, it was not my job to save him, and I thought it was. But went back to him, started dating him again, and then he broke up with me in May. So he broke up with me in May of 2018. I relapsed two weeks later, and I stopped the podcast because who the hell am I telling you to live your best life when here I am using drugs and alcohol again? So I just stopped recording for the podcast. I stopped doing anything related to the podcast because I went from being sober to getting full back into my addiction again. So it just, it did not feel aligned, obviously, and it was not in integrity for me to be, you know, saying one thing, doing another thing, and I completely stopped. And so now, by the grace of God, here we are. It is, what what month? I don't even know what day it is. I'm like, what <laughs> day? COVID-19 we, got everybody Are we in June? We're yeah, June, it's right? June. It so is it's June. June. So I just restarted the podcast, I would say, maybe like two or three weeks ago. And um, I'm a year and two months sober. Uh, March That's awesome. Yeah, March Congrats. 20th. You know, it's so funny, CJ. Every time I tell people that, I got to pause because I'm always going to get a congrats. Like, I got to let people say the congratulations. No, it is. Like, so <laughs> So I have health issues and like I, I used to be a... I have celiac autoimmune problems and I used to be a really big drinker in college as mm. most people are. Um, I got a job in the corporate world and drinking continues. And in your mid twenties, it's a very weird space for a lot of people because like all activities kind of go away. Your kid activities go away and like, what does everybody do now? And it was like, just drink like on mm -hmm. weekends. Right. And it kept making me more sick and more sick. And this year was the first time, like during quarantine was the first time I went two months without any alcohol. Um, and it was the first time I think since I was like 17. So wow. yeah, power to you because I didn't really realize, I mean, for me, I consider myself somebody that 
has discipline and can control myself, mm-hmm. but it was tougher than, than I initially thought. So again, I, I don't say congrats out of just saying it. It's more so like, I know that shit is hard. So that shit is so hard. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because, um, so I, I went back to rehab in March of 2019, 26. So March 26 is my sober date. And I'm now a year and a little over two months sober. So things have been going great. Right. And so I, I wanted to make this really clear. Like, Usually when I do interviews like this, and I love your podcast because you focus both on the mindset and the business, and that's what I do. And I was like, I think I can bring a lot of value to your audience. But a lot of times when I get on these podcast interviews, everyone wants to know, where are you from? What do you do? Tell us about you. And I'm like, shit, I can't tell you about me without telling you all of it. And it's tiring because it's like, you know, I I was just saying this to you before we started hit, like, you know, hit record. It's like, I don't identify with that story anymore that, you know, my journey through alcohol and drug addiction and being now a recovered, and I say recovered, you know, and I emphasize that I'm a recovered addict alcoholic. I just don't relate to it anymore. Like it's not Vasavi today. It has definitely, definitely shaped me to be who I am. But, and, and I will never forget where I came from, but it's not where I want to put my energy, like constantly talking about that. There's so much more to me than just that, you know? Awesome. And that's, again, that's everything that we try to represent here at Thrive on Life is one of the reasons that I even created this brand was to stop hiding from my true self. So mm-hmm. a lot of people out there that are listening might be living in this corporate world and I don't have anything against that world, but a lot of people, they go to work and they're a different person than they are when they come home. Mm-hmm. And with my podcast and with our brand, it's all about Basically, there is no difference between work and life. If you're upset at work, you're going to bring that home and it's going to affect your life. And if you're upset in your life, it's going to affect your work. And entrepreneurs know this, like Mm -hmm. business owners know this. The majority of people out there aren't business owners and nor do I think that they should be. So that's where the conversation gets into, okay, so obviously sobriety is one part of you, but what are some of your passions that you bring to the table other than obviously helping people with their businesses? You know, I really love getting to know myself. I know that sounds crazy, but it's one thing that I, I'm i in the season where I've always been in a relationship. I've always had a relationship since like for the past 15 years. So one thing that I'm loving doing right now as it relates to my personal life is that I'm really getting to know who I am and I'm- And how do you do that? Because a lot of people I, like- me, <laughs> A lot of fucking people need to hear this because we. I get on some some of my friends that you can't find your significant other. Like I found Aaron, my wife, who is my angel, and like she's made me who I am because I've had to basically grow into the man that I needed to be. But I knew who I was before we started dating, and then a lot of people don't know they are, yeah. and it's so tough to date when two people don't know who the hell they are and then they start going in different paths, like no wonder you're having problems. So how, what tips of advice would you say? And I love your answer here because I, I did not expect it whatsoever. Um, It's a little self-centered. I know it's a little self-centered, but but no, that's what people need. Like too many people are running the rat race and like, I'm, I'm learning this, like you need to wake up and fill your cup. And so how does that look like to you understanding yourself more? Because then you're going to bring this better energy to the world. And, Everybody can learn from this. So I'm looking forward to your response to this. So for, I love what you said about you and your wife. Insecurity plus insecurity does not equal security, right? So a lot of people are like, 
They don't know who the hell they are. They don't know what they really want. Then they find somebody and they're like, oh, let's do this thing called life together. But neither of them know their identity. They don't know who they are. And they're like, let's get together and make each other complete. And it's like, no, that is not going <laughs> to work. And then they have a kid, which and then they have a kid, <laughs> And then they put all their unfulfilled dreams and expectations on this poor child that did not ask to be born. So anyway, I had to learn how to get to know myself through the process of recovery, right? I no longer had drugs and alcohol to reach to, to numb my mind, run away from. I didn't have a man anymore. So I was married when I was 28. I got divorced when I was 32. I got married when I was 28 because in the Indian culture, you know, we need to settle down. We need to get married and have kids. So I did that. I had the Ivy League education. I got my master's in social work from Columbia. Check that box off. Good little Indian girl. No, I wasn't like, but I got married, had the big fat Indian wedding, got married to a nice Indian man, got divorced four years later, fell into another relationship right after that. That was the relationship that really taught me how little I respected myself. That was the relationship where I started using cocaine heavily. When you're living in that state, what does that look like to have little respect? Not necessarily like drugs, but like what is going on in your mind? Because this is what relates to people is just like, I think there's a lot of people that lack respect for themselves, but they don't even, they don't even know it. So like for you, what were some of those tendencies. So yeah, I'm glad that you said that because drugs or alcohol is just a symptom of the root problem. What the conversation in my head, let's talk about the words that we're telling ourselves because self-talk is everything. Self-talk will determine the quality of the relationship you have with yourself. It's like, what do I need to do for him to love me? What do I need to say or not say in order to not rock the boat? Because if I rock the boat, then they're not going to like me. How do I need to dress for him to find me more attractive? How much money do I need to make? What accomplishments do I need to have so this person thinks I mean something? I need to be something to this person. How can I show off? We don't even, we're not using necessarily these words, but for me, it was always like, how can I impress you? How can I one up you? How can I let you know that I'm worth something? And so for me, it was through sex. It was through making a lot of money. It was through showing up and just being like, look at me. Hello, here I am. It's like everything that I need to do so you don't actually ever have to see me. It was a performance. Life was a performance all the time. It was always like, how much bigger can I be? How much showier can I be? Like, I need to tell you that I've been doing this or I'm making this much money. And no, no wonder I developed a cocaine addiction because I was so at a God-sized hole inside of me that I'm trying to fill with all the things that I'm running after. Thinking, yeah, and you're, it's an impossible, like you're basically trying to achieve things that are impossible. Yes. You cannot fill that hole inside of you with all, with people, places, and things. It will always fail you. People will always fail you because they are flawed. And so you have to know yourself. You have to really understand. You know, one of the things that I talk about with clients, like, Even before they become clients, they come to me and they're like, I don't like my job. Okay, cool. What do you want to do? I don't know. I've never asked myself that. That's a problem that you have never asked yourself what you want because- Chills. (laughs) We're not trained to ask ourselves, what do I want? Because Especially for women, and I'm just going to say this, but men too, you know, but I'm going to only speak for as a woman- I was called selfish growing up. My whole life, my family called me selfish because I was always like, well, that's not what I want to do. I was always like, well, that doesn't make me happy. I want to do what I want to do. So I learned how to work the system. I learned how to stifle my voice. I learned how to just compromise and just, you know, just go with the flow. I was one of those down for whatever girls. And let me tell you something, knowing myself now at the age of 38, I am not a down for whatever girl. And I can't believe for so long, I I pretended to be a down for whatever girl. I am not DFW, CJ. I am like, no, I will not just do what you want me to do to make you happy. Like no is a complete sentence. 
And I think you're hitting on so many great points. And <laughs> again, I can't speak from the, the woman's perspective. I can only speak from the male perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think in today's society, it's showing up more and more because with social media, with just so many eyes on what we're doing, it creates this impulse of, I need to show up in a certain way rather than who am I even showing up as? Mm -hmm. If if there was no mirrors, that's what I equate like social media to. It's a mirror. Mm -hmm. And too many people are putting on their makeup and whatever Mm -hmm. for the mirror every day. But then when they go to bed or they go away from the mirror, they don't look the same. And for a male, I can relate to, to that because I went, I got my engineering degree mm-hmm. and then I got a job at a bank right. and it's just like, I'm wearing the suit and tie every day. How and responsible I'm like, of you. But yeah. me, like, yeah, exactly. You're dying and then on it, the when, you, when, when <laughs> you go, when you go to your, my ex-girlfriend's parents or whatever, and you go to the family party, it's like, oh, like he's a good little boy and mm-hmm. does a, but on the inside, I'm like, I want to get tattooed. I want to skateboard. I want to jump out of airplanes. I want to do all these other things yeah. that have nothing to do with what I'm doing. Um, and I think I'd love to ask you, because this hits home with me and some of the clients I work with, why do you think people never ask, what do I want? Why do I want to show up the way that I want? Because I'm trying to solve this in our education system. I think it has, it's like systemic in terms of the age of my parents and they just didn't have the freedom to kind of ask these questions. So they put it on us, but we have the freedom nowadays. Like you have the freedom to show up in a way where it's like, okay, who do I want to be? What school do I want to go to? What degree do I want? But too many people are still being like, I just got the degree that my parents thought would, would make them happy. And then I got the job that would impress my girlfriend because that's what I did at a bank. She worked at a bank. So, okay, I'm going to go try and find a job there because it's relative, right? Where do you think that stems from? Okay, so you think from a young age, right? You got, you got, you got to start from your roots. You got to start from how you were raised, the messaging that you received growing up, everything's fine until it's not fine anymore, right? Things are good. Life is great. As children, we are free-spirited. We are allowed to dream. We are allowed to be creative. I want to be this when I grow up. I want to be that. And then something happens. And this is the thing that most people want to look at. What is the thing that happened? It's it's usually one, but it's a, it could also be a culmination of like just few things that have happened, but it's like, what is the thing that happened that made you disconnect from yourself. I'll tell you mine. When I was four years old, my mom, she sings Indian music, like Indian classical music. I'll never forget this. It's actually caught on camera because my dad always like would videotape everything on VHS. It's my dad too. (laughs) So I'm not trying in front of a camera because I grew up. I was always my father's muse. So I remember at four years old, my mom is sitting on the couch with all of her sisters and they're singing Indian classical music. And I'm trying to get my mother's attention. And I'm like, mommy, but like, I, I call her Gita Ma. Her name is Gita. I'm Mamin's mother. I'm like, Gita Ma, Gita Ma. And she's just singing. She's just singing. I've made peace with this, by the way, because I, I see as an adult what was going on. Yeah. But she's not paying attention to me. She is not. Like, literally, I am screaming her name to pay attention to me. I'm right here. She's here. And she just was not paying attention to me. And you watch the video. I give up at some point. I... I, I, I bow my head down. I just kind of like ugh, defeated and I walk away. But in that moment, I remember that saying to myself, I really 
am invisible. I, I Maybe I didn't use that in four-year-old language, but it's like in that moment, I felt so, I don't matter. I don't matter. So everything from that point on for me was, what do I need to do to matter? Right? Uh, Who do I need to be? That was my incident. And it can be anything for anybody else. But it's that moment that we disconnect from ourselves. And then it's, it shows up as, well, what do I need to do to matter? Oh, well, dad's going to love me if I'm great in business. I tell my dad everything that I do in business, of course, I want him to be proud of me. But you better believe that I went into business initially because I knew it would make my father proud because both my parents are business owners, right? Everything that I do was always to make them proud of me because I had a belief that I didn't matter. So you better believe I'm going to overcompensate to matter. And not just to them, that extended into relationships. You know, I I was married to a very traditional Indian guy. What do I need to do? I have to learn the language because he was from a different part of India. Spoke a different language. I need to do this. And then I had that ex-boyfriend who that I was with that I, I started using drugs with. Okay, well, he, you know, he likes to party. I got a party too. He wants to go to strip clubs. I'll go to strip clubs with you. Who the hell? Like, who is this person? <laughs> and you become so far removed from yourself that you don't even know who you are. You sell your soul. You sell your soul for what? For a breadcrumb of love? For someone to give you a pat on the back? And then you hate yourself. And you have no respect for yourself because you know you're lying. And most people don't even know that they're lying. They're just like, this is just the way it is. They're just defeated. And it shows up in drinking. It shows up in our relationship with drinking. Well, they're just like, oh, you know, like they don't even realize you're drinking your problems away because you're depressed because you've suppressed yourself, right? Like, and you're anxious because you're, you're in a heightened state of nervousness trying to please everybody. So it's like, you got to get back to that root. Like, when the hell did I disconnect from myself? So I love your response. And I've, I mean, I've thought about this question that I asked you like tons and tons and tons of time. And for me, I always try to like relate things back to themes because it Mm -hmm. helps me like remember and not make the same mistakes in the future. And the theme for this is like communication. We don't learn from a young age how to communicate with ourselves and then with those around us. Because one, communicating the tough shit, like the stuff that's going on in the world right now, isn't comfortable. So we, what do we do? We suppress it. So everything that's like hard, we kind of suppress. And then what we do is we act it out. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that in my, in my life too. It hits like I was voted most competitive. I was probably an asshole. Not probably, <laughs> definitely, because I wanted to win more than yeah. anything else. But I wasn't even focused on winning because I enjoyed the thing that I was winning. It was because I just wanted the certificate. It was like checking boxes. Like I want to be a scholar athlete just to say that I was a scholar athlete. But what I actually really enjoyed was playing multiple different sports, but I only played one sport because that would give me the best chance to mm. get a scholarship at a school and blah, 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 right? So it's so relatable and it shows up. I think it shows up in so many different people. And this is why I love that answer. And one of the things that I love to shift this into is, okay, so we're not communicating in the right way because when you show up like with drugs or alcohol or being an asshole yeah. or whatever it is, you're just communicating s- some other issue. How did you break past that? What was So you, you mentioned like your point when you were a child, but how did you break out of that cycle? Because I think a lot of people are stuck in this loop of all different ages but hearing stories of like, when was the point? Was it a book? Was it a movie? Was it a relationship that kind of was like, okay, this is enough. I need to like pivot in this opposite direction. Great question. I would say I 
had the luxury of running from myself and not having to be with myself because I had all the frills and thrills on the outside. I had all the bright and shiny. I still do. I have all the nice things. The only difference is my inside matches my outside now. It wasn't like that before. On the outside, I had everything. On the inside, I felt empty. So I didn't have to really learn the lesson until this past year. And it's because I had to go back to rehab again. And I chose to go back to rehab again. Now, for everyone listening, you don't need to hit rock bottom to do this. I just want everyone to know, please do not go out and start snorting a bunch of cocaine and drinking and saying like, okay, I'm going to go find myself. I had to become a nobody for me to find myself. So I was so used to, you know, my family and everyone, you know, on the internet, people who know me, people have been following me for a while, like, I'm the shining star. I've been on TV. I'm the co-host of, of, of the morning show. I've been on VH1. I've done this. I've done that. Look at Vasavi. Look at her go. And so I've had that type of image always. I've, I was very good at image management, very good at, I will let you see what I want you to see. And so I had to, the way God had it planned for me is that I had to burn everything to the ground. I burn lost, the bridges. I had to. I had to become a nobody. I literally became a nobody. And I say that with all due respect for myself. I had no man. I had no man. No one telling me they love me. You know, no one to cuddle with. I was financially dependent on my parents for the first five to six months of my sobriety here, for five to six months of my recovery. So imagine what it's like being 37 years old and have your mother take care of you and send you Google Pay payments. This was just this past year, okay? And I had a nice car. I have a nice car. I have a nice house. I built this business. I started my business in 2010. I had no clients because I didn't have anything to give anybody because I was like, who the hell am I right now? I'm literally stripped away of all the things that I thought were Vasavi, right? It's funny because, you know, whenever people ask me, like, what do you do? Who are you? I'm like, well, I'm an Ivy League educated licensed therapist and I've been in bed. And now, you know what? I did an interview the other day. Someone's (laughs) like, who are you? I'm like, I'm a kind, generous, beautiful child of God. That's who I am. Like, I literally just, that just came out of my mouth because it's like, I don't want to tell you a bucket list of things that I've accomplished anymore. You could read that on my website. That's not what I want you to know about me, right? I want you to, like, I want you to see me. The true me. The true me. And who am I? It's like, I'm a kind, generous, beautiful child of God. And then we could have a conversation. But that was my my, my pivot moment. Honestly, if I had to, you know, tell you a moment, uh, CJ, it really was March 27th is actually when I went into rehab. And it was the same residential rehab that I'd gone to here in Austin, actually, Recovery Unplugged. And I walked into the residential and like everyone said hi to me. And I was like, what the hell? I don't want to be associated with this anymore. It was like people knew me. Like I'd already been to that residential treatment. It was my second time going back to rehab. You have to understand I'm a thorough learner. I didn't learn the lesson the first time. I had to go back the second time. And everyone's like, hey, Vasavi, we're so happy to have you back. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, I was not put here on this earth to just live this life of addiction. Like I I knew that God had more for me. And in that moment, I decided I'm going to shut up. And I'm going to listen to what all my counselors tell me. You want me to go to 90 meetings in 90 days? I'll go to 90 meetings in 90 days. You want me to do the 12 steps? I'll do the 12 steps. You want me to read the big book? You want me to work with the sponsor? You want me to meditate every day? I'll do whatever you tell me to do. That was really my pivot moment. It was when I, when I chose to check myself back into rehab because I said, I am no longer going to tolerate this bullshit in my life. And I think that's the thing. As human beings, we are trained from a very young age to suffocate and stifle and suppress our voice. So we have huge tolerance for pain from ourselves. People don't actually change until they need to. 
And that is a sad truth. And I work with people on changing. You know what I mean? But it, when people come to me, it's usually because they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And what I'm telling your listeners and what I want to say to you is that it doesn't need to get so terrible for you to make that change. Like, don't, don't let it get to that point. And the change doesn't, what I want to convey, the change doesn't have to be super drastic. And that's where, like, mm-hmm. so, like, it can be waking up earlier. It could be starting your day with water. I'm going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. It could be so small. And it's funny that you mentioned the, who are you? Because when I first created thrive on life, I'm going to shout out my buddy, Mike DePaula. And he visited me in Houston and we did this experiment where we're like, okay, we're going to go to these bars. And when people ask you like, what do you do? We're going to be like, I'm a lifer because like he was making fun of thrive on life. And he was like, I'm a lifer. Um, And we go back like decades in the high school and whatever. He, he played sports with me, a uh, super funny guy. And we go to these bars and like, people would ask like, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. And we're just like, we're lifers. And they're just <laughs> like, what? And I was like, we like to live life. And like immediately sparked a better conversation yeah. than, oh, I work at, Goldman Sachs or yeah. I do this because that's what like I used to work for UBS. I was like, oh, I'm a project manager at UBS and you go off talking to yourself for two minutes and then like dead silence. And we were after like more communication yes. with people and like actually learning more about them. So I found out that like if you respond in a way that's not normal, it actually sparks better conversation because it lets that person let their guard down. So if I'm like, I'm a lifer and that person's like, well, what's that? It then gives me the ability to be like, well, what do you like to do? What are your passions? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Who are your friends? Rather than being like, what do you do for a living? Like, it's like, well, I kind of do 17 different things. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I'm a dad or sometimes I'm a mom Mm -hmm. and then I go to this job and get paid for it. That's most people's lives, but they put themselves in this bucket of like, this is who I am. And it seems like for you, it was as soon as you were able to kind of like get out of that bucket of like, this is who... I want to be, you're able to break into who you're meant to be. And that's where I'd love to shift this into, okay, so you found out who you're meant to be and how you're going to show up in this world. Now it's been a year and two months. And what is it like today to be the meant to be version of yourself? So I'm going to answer that question and I'm probably going to forget it. So you might need to repeat it. I'll I'll remember. But one thing (laughs) that I just want to say is that when I look back on old content, okay, that I've produced a lot of content over the past 10 years, YouTube, podcast interviews that I've done, blogs, because I love repurposing content. We were talking about that. Why reinvent the wheel if you got good content? And I was looking at it and I was like, holy shit, my messaging has been the same for 10 years. I look back at 2011 and I wrote in a blog post, when you know yourself, you can be, do, and have anything that you want. I'm still writing that in 2020. So what I want to say is this, is that my messaging has always been the same. I've always had the confidence. Confidence is very outwardly though. But the only difference is I was telling my dad, I go, my messaging is the same, but I'm different. It was a huge shift. Like it's one thing to be a parrot and you could say all the right things and you can have all the right jargon, but if you don't feel it and you haven't lived it and you don't like feel it on a cellular level, it's just like lip service. And that is the biggest difference for me. And so when you ask me, who are you today and meant to be, I got to be honest with you. What I'm putting out on social media is 
what I've been putting out, but the big difference is I don't really care what you think if it comes off like this or if it comes like that because I know who I am and I know where it's coming from. The biggest difference is I don't edit as much as I used to. I'm not filtering. I'm not sitting there being like, how is this going to land for people? Are they going to think I'm mean? Are they going to, because like, I know I, who I am. I know that I come from a pure heart. I know that I have good intentions. I know what I'm saying, why I'm saying it. I'm intentional about every single word that I use. So I'm no longer questioning myself because because I know myself, right? So it's like in the movie Eight Mile, you know, the last scene with the rap battle, Eminem goes, tell me something about me that I don't already know about myself. So like, if you call me arrogant, I'll be like, yeah, I could see why I might come off that way. Or if you say, you know, you could be a little abrupt. I go, yeah, I already know that about myself. Like, tell me something I don't already know. And that's why I think, and I'm going to emphasize this, you have to know yourself because if you don't know yourself, somebody is going to tell you who you need to be. Moment of silence for that one right there. <laughs> that was that was some power. And I think we all can relate to that because you're talking about multiple things. But when you break down knowing yourself so vividly, and I literally was having this discussion before we even got on a podcast with somebody else because of what's going on right now with the protests and people posting on social media and police officers, everyone's questioning how they should show up in the world. And I had to tell one of my friends, I was like, you know who you are. It doesn't matter what you do, really. Whether you post or you don't post. And even with Aaron, my wife, I've had to tell her, it's like, you know who you are deep down. Like, you know, we know as human beings that we treat people of a certain way, respectfully, in all times, right? We know this, but you cannot change what other people perceive because an angry heart is going to be an angry heart. I can't change that. I can only be a loving heart. And if I know that deep down rooted in me is a loving heart, that's really all that matters. Mm-hmm. So anybody that was listening, please re-listen to what Vasavi just said because it does not matter what you post. And this is, man, social media is, I've been on the social media train for a while now. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with, I go back to like Facebook memories. And like in college, I was a frat boy, soccer player, half drunk all the time. <laughs> um, as most of us were, as frat boy soccer players. And some of the posts that I make with quotes and some of the, they're exactly the same as what I put out today. And it's like seven years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago, but I'm a completely different human mm-hmm. being. So if you knew me then versus now, I've had multiple people like, you're, you're completely changed. I think the problem we have as human beings is we hold ourselves too much to not allow ourselves to change versus realizing that life is so long. You're going to be different instances of people like time. I've been so many different people, but the same person all at one time. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to phrase this in a way I get it. because you, you brought it up and I haven't discussed this on, on any of the podcasts is I've been so different, but I'm the same. Like I've always been pure. Like I love people. I love conversing and I love this podcast already. I can't wait to release it because the energy that you bring is like the energy I like to bring. And there have been times in my life where I don't bring that energy because I'm afraid that that energy is going to upset somebody. Or be too much. Or or be be too much or whatever. And even my wife, Erin, she'll attest to this. I've forced her to outgrow her like nagging me on the shirt to be like, all right, calm down, CJ. Like now she loves that side of me because she's seen that like, I always mean well because she gets me all the time at home, in public. And for anybody listening, the biggest change I ever made, and I want to know if you attest to this, is not listening to that voice of saying like, I'm going to hold back. So 
Instead, I'm just going 120 miles an hour at all times <laughs> with respect of yeah. everybody around me and trying to be composed and compassionate, but I'm not going to change me to adapt to somebody else. Now, the question that I would have is, it's kind of twofold. You were in rehab and you got tired and you started adapting to the ways that they were telling you. When you got out, was this the point when you were just like, I'm fully me and like, I'm unregrettably going to go in this path? Or was there other times in your life that you kind of sparked it, but you never fully turned it on? Because I know for me, like I can vividly remember times in my life where I was like sparking it, but then I would like let it dim again and then spark it and let it dim. For you, has that ever happened? Because I think a lot of people out there, and you might relate to this as well, working with clients, I work with people that are in the corporate world and like for two weeks they're on fire and then it's like dim again. And then it's like on fire that they're talking like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to do it. And then it's dim again. And that was me. Do you relate to that at all? Yeah. I think I, since I was the black sheep of my family from a very young age and I was like the bad child, I was the problem child, right? So I was always made what? very- before you get into this, were you the oldest, youngest, middle? I'm the youngest of two. You're the youngest? Me and my sister, my sister and I. And um, so I've always been like the problem child in the family. I was the loud one. I was the one that called out the elephant in the room from a very young age. I could walk into a room and I knew that my parents just had a fight, but no one was talking about it. And I'd be like, what are you guys fighting about? And then, my, and, and then of course, because I'm a kid, they tell me to go to my room, whatever. So I've been like this from a very young age. I just, I sense it, I feel it, and I don't want to not talk about it, right? So I've had that habit since I was a kid. And I have sparked it and I have dulled it and I have sparked it and I have dulled it because I was always managing myself so that I would never suffocate or be too much for other people. You also have to understand at the age of 20, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and I was told I would have to be on medication for the rest of my life. I'm now medication free for the past seven months and I have never felt better in my life because at the age of 20, when you're given a diagnosis that you're mentally ill and told that you're going to have to be on medication. And then, of course, mental health is such a stigma in everywhere, not just in America. And, you know, depression, anxiety, mood disorders. I That was like enough of a blanket for me, like a wet blanket to just be like, okay, well, you don't want to live up to your label, right? So I had that on top of me. I had on top of the fact, if I cried too much, my mother would say, well, did you take your medication? Oh, man. Right? When I, a month before my wedding, I said to my father, I don't think I should be getting married to him. And my, my dad said, and I love my father, but this is what he said. He goes, but you have bipolar disorder. No one else in the Indian community is going to marry you, right? So because I had this extra layer of you're too much, don't be too crazy, don't be too much, I was always managing myself. It's like constantly like damned if you do and damned if you don't, right? If I'm too much, I feel alive too much. And I say that in quotes, I'm air quotes. I feel alive. I feel like, yes, I'm passionate. But then everyone around me is like, are you manic? Right? <laughs> so I'm screwed either way. And so eventually, you know, for me, CJ, I mean, like it was literally back and forth, like tiptoe a little, come back a little bit. And I was always managing myself to match the energy of the people around me. And while I do think it's important, be responsible for the energy that you bring in to the room, I am not going to stifle and dim and put a wet blanket over me because you can't handle me. When people say, you're too much, I go, maybe you're too little. <laughs> Let's go. The goal is to light flames. Yeah. Like that, that is, and that's why I had to leave my job and do what I do today because my job is to use my abundance 
to get other people's that are constantly flipping back and forth to keep their flame lit mm -hmm. and to keep pushing forward. So, I mean, that's what you just said is, is super powerful. And I'd love to transition into, okay, who are you helping? What are your, who are your clients? What do they look like? Who listening mm -hmm. could potentially use your services? Thank you for asking. I think the beauty that I bring to the table for my clients is that I'm both a licensed therapist, so I work on the mind, and I'm also 10 years in business as an internet marketer, right? So I love I love marketing. Marketing is psychology. I love getting to know how people think. I love my messaging to resonate with my audience. It just shows me that I've done my work, right? Like I know my audience and I know what they think, and I choose my words carefully. So I think the beauty about what I offer is that my women female clients, my women business owners that come to me, they come to me, they're already very skilled at something. They're interior designers. They are graphic designers. I have a, I have a local client here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to divulge too much information, but she has a very successful business. They're already really good at what they do, but the thing that they have ignored is what's going on in their mind. So they've been on autopilot, right? So they're the moms, they're the wives, they have their businesses and they've run from themselves. And so I bring that beautiful blend of both mindset and the business strategy because the issue isn't that you don't have business strategy. The issue is that this is getting in the way. And, and for everyone who can't see this, I'm pointing to my head, right? Like you can have all the business strategy in the world, but if you have broken thinking and you have limiting beliefs and you have like, you have thoughts and you are talking to yourself, telling yourself, oh, well, that's not going to work for you. Or you can't show up like this, or you're not going to succeed. It doesn't matter how much strategy you have. I'm sure you work with clients and you map out the strategy and they're not doing shit with it because they don't believe in themselves. So it doesn't matter. Right. But I bring both. So I can help you get to the root, the core of your issue, what's really going on. I can support you here in the present and map out the future. So I'm past, present, and future, right? You got to look at yourself as a whole person. If you have a hard time showing up on video, for example, I work with my client on this. She's like, I'm really just scared of showing up on camera. And so I asked her, I'm like, so when's the first time that you really felt self-conscious? And she told me about an incident third grade. She was asked to like talk in front of the class. And then the teacher ridiculed her because she didn't give the wrong answer. Boom, third grade, you're done for life, right? Like that incident That's happened. That's crazy. Yeah. So like we got to the root of it and I'm not about intellectualizing pain. You got to feel your feelings. If there's anything I've learned in my recovery process is that I learned to be with my shit and I could not use, and I did not use drugs and alcohol to deal with it. Like I dealt with the beliefs of you're worthless, you're a loser, you're 37 years old and your mom is taking care of you financially, you're single, nobody loves you, right? Like these are the thoughts that most human beings in some shape or form deal with. I don't want to be a loser. I got to be a winner all the time because if I'm not a winner, then I'm a loser. And if I'm a no loser, nobody's going to love me, right? And so that's really what it boils down to. It's to understand those ugly, mean thoughts that we're telling ourselves and allowing ourselves to truly feel that and know that it's not true. Right, but we got to feel it first. We got, and we got to know where it comes from, so we can balance both our logic and our emotion. Too much emotion, you're constantly reactive. Too much logic, logic, then you're not feeling your pain. So it's a blend of your, your logic and your emotion, and I bring both. And that's awesome because in business, blending logic and emotion is is critical because. What I do a lot of times, like I'm a logical person. I'm an engineer. It's just like, here's, yeah. just give me a problem. Like, here's the solution. I've had to, and this is where marketing and psychology, I was one class away from getting my a psych minor. And I love psychology as well because that's how you help people. And what I've found is that it's more psychology than it is logic in terms of business. And I think too many people don't see that, especially like if you look at people coming from, I don't like my job. I want to start a side hustle or something. Everything that they're trying to start starts with 
what can I do? Task-oriented stuff, right? And I've said this on other podcasts, but the number one thing I always start with is core values. Mm, yes. What are your core values? Yeah. What's your mission? And people are like, what the fuck? I've never thought about that. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, no one's ever taught us to think like that. But when you have that negative train of thought in your head, the only thing that gets you out of it is not doing more yes. because that you're going to come, you're going to do something and then it's going to be negative again. Once you stop the doing, yes. what you need to get into is I don't have to do anything and I'm cool. And that's where like the corporate rat race and majority of people, because we're educated, chase the carrot, yeah. get the certificate, get the get degree, the two degrees. Yeah, yeah, I get, it. get the five degrees, mm-hmm. like, and you just keep chasing and they can't just sit there with their own thoughts. So I I wholeheartedly agree with that. And it's funny you brought up the video thing because I've directly experienced this as well. And what I've found has helped the clients that I work with is I video message them. So subliminally, they're videoing me back and forth. And I'm like, when you're videoing me, you don't have a problem. Why can't you do an Instagram story? And then once they get on, well, I'm scared to do an Instagram story or something like that. I'm like, here's what I want you to think about. It's not about everybody else. And you start, I love how you're talking about earlier. I didn't want you to apologize that you're too much about yourself because this is what people need to hear is Aaron and I talk about this all the time because I talk a lot of my stories, she won't. And I was like, you have to stop caring what everybody thinks and think in 10 years from now, the older version of yourself is gonna be doing interviews and reports and be on TV potentially and whatever, right? what would have gotten you to that point is just getting on there and it's just reps. Yes. So if you're an athlete, you know that like literally at the end of the day, it's really just reps. It's consistency. I need to pre- and, yeah. It's just consistency and reps. Mm-hmm. So I'm like telling my clients, when you get on these stories, don't even think about anybody else. I want you to just get on, speak your truth, not look at it again. And, and that's one yeah. rep. And then not get, don't even look at it until you're like 500 reps in. Cause they say 10,000, mm-hmm. 10,000 hours makes you an expert or whatever. I don't know if that's true or not, but get your reps in. So going back to the point of what you were ending on, what are some practical tips? Cause we're talking about logic and, and emotion. What are some practical tips for the listeners to understand their shit? Because we all do different things in our lives, but for maybe your clients that you've worked with, things that have helped, may you have your own protocols. What are some of the things that clients are doing to own their shit? So I work with my clients, so my VIP clients, that, so it's basically like having a therapist and a strategist on retainer, right? I, wanna, I want them to have access to me. A lot of them are not used to speaking up. A lot of them are not used to asking for help. So one of the things that I have them do, so we use Voxer. Voxer is the walkie-talkie app. Mm-hmm. They message me multiple times throughout the day, and it's they're telling me what's going on. They're telling me about the thoughts that they have, and I'm helping them like interrupt that pattern, right? Because if when it's just you and you, it's just you in your head. You go down the rabbit hole of bullshit. You need someone to interrupt that yep. thought process. So my clients are constantly voxering me, and I love it because I want them to focus in on what's going on. Let's let's cut through it. This is what's going on. Here's a different way to say it. Here's a different shift in perspective. So I have them speak out loud to me because text is great, but hearing yourself say it out loud takes it from out of this noisy container out. And you're like, oh my God, that actually sounds ridiculous. I have one client that was voxering me. She was walkie talking me. And in the message, as she's talking, she goes, you know, and now that I'm saying this out loud, I think I'm making a big deal out of nothing. So see, you've got to hear yourself. So I have my clients do that with me, but I have them talk out loud when they're by themselves. So if you're in your car, 
and your your mind is going to places that it's like, oh God, you got to first know that you're going down the rabbit hole. A lot of times that's like normal for people to have their mind spinning and scattered. So I invite my clients to say their shit out loud, like talk out loud. What are you saying to yourself right now? If it's, you know, let's just say you wake up and it's seven and you're like, you know, beating yourself up. Say that out loud. Say out loud. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm late. I'm do- and then you hear yourself and you're like, whoa, chill. Because if you were with a friend who was talking like that, you'd be like, bro, you need to chill, right? Like we allow ourselves to be like, like mean to ourselves. And we're all just running around yeah, like we're that. Just ru- yeah. But like, if, if you were to start freaking out, I'd be like, what do you need right now? What do you need right now to feel better? So why don't I do that to myself? Because when it's all trapped in here, it just, it feels so real. And those thoughts feel so important and they feel so urgent. And that's why you got to say it out loud and then you can manage them. And you can be like, well, what's going on? Emotional regulation is something, it's, it's a very important skill that's not taught. We're just taught to basically shut up, go in the corner, time out. But it's like, no one teaches us how to regulate our emotions. And if you do not know how to manage your emotions, you are screwed. As an athlete, you know this, right? I'm sure being competitive, losing your cool is not going to help you win the game. Like, nope. yes, anger is great to fuel yourself. You have to channel. You got to channel exact words. Like anger is is one of the top reasons why people just don't succeed because you're so angry. Their energy is all over the place. And it's like, it's cool to have anger, but when it's scattered, you're just a wildfire, right? You want to take that anger and be like, use it towards improving yourself, right? So with my clients, it's always about talking out loud, we do a lot of work on self-talk and the simple self-care practices. I know you and your wife, Erin, are really about like taking care of yourselves. And I, I really respect you guys for that. But I think if you're an overthinker, if you're an overachiever like I am, like you are, I have a tendency to overthink things. And I've had to learn how to love myself. No one teaches us how to love ourselves. No one teaches us how to respect ourselves. We are taught what to do to be in the good books of other people. We are taught what to do to not rock the boat. We are taught to be kind, nice not even kind. We're not even taught to be kind. We're taught to be nice. We're taught yeah, to be- Yeah, nice mo- in front of other people, but behind closed doors, people are fighting and yeah. doing whatever. So we're taught what to do to make sure that we don't rock the boat. And inside, we are like a volcano waiting to explode. No one teaches us how to tend to ourselves, right? We talked about this in the beginning about asking ourselves what we want. I teach my clients how to love myself. And my dad asked me a question. He goes, so how are you qualified? I mean, my dad didn't say this to me. Like he was, a, he was just curious. He's like, how are you qualified? I go, well, I've spent much my life hating myself. So I had to learn how to love myself. So it's when you've lived much of your life hating yourself and loathing yourself for not being honest with yourself. And I had life happen, right? Life happened with my recovery, with with addiction, with, with relationships, with divorce, mental health. I had no choice but to love myself. I did have a choice, but I chose this path and I'm happy. I couldn't continue on the way I was going. So I really teach my clients to love themselves and respect themselves. That's when, awesome. When you, I, when you love yourself and res- respect yourself, you can do anything. And then when you love yourself and respect yourself, you love yourself, you love other people and yes. respect other people. And you start, as soon as I started becoming more positive, because as soon as I started loving myself, I started doing things I wanted to do more rather than the job that everyone expected me to have and things like that. I started attracting mm-hmm. the people that I wanted to attract in my life and the people I have in my life today. And it's amazing to me working with clients because as soon as they start doing it and that it, that happens, they land that next big client mm-hmm. or they get that deal or whatever and they see that law of attraction, it's contagious. And that's what I love. And it's funny that you mentioned speaking out loud because I'm going to use that now. But I, what I've been doing and what I help my clients with is naming their inner voice. Yes. Because if you name your inner voice, like I've always said, like I'll have thoughts in my head, right? 
And we all do it. We all run around and we're like, we're here, but we're not. Like we're in the present moment, but we're really not because we're thinking about what else is good. Mm -hmm. What's the future? What's this? And what's that, right? So I'm not really here. So when I name that voice and I'm like, if, that, if I take that voice outside of me and it was you telling me what to do, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. You're not my friend. Like stop yes. telling me what to do, yeah. right? I want to do what I want to do versus this voice is trying this to tell conflict. me. So yes. you have this internal conflict. And when you take that voice out of you and you put it and you name it and you're just like, oh, there's Bob, right? He's trying to tell me what to do. Well, I don't even like Bob anyway. So I'm going to do what CJ wants to do. And this is what he wants to do. And this, but I think what you just said takes it even one step further of like vo literally voicing both sides. I don't it's know what movie is that from? There is a movie where like the guy like talks to himself <laughs> or whatever. I don't necessarily am, am promoting like put another person there and talk to yourself and stuff like that. But definitely take the advice that, that Vasavi is saying and, I'm going to start utilizing this of talking out loud because it just makes logical sense. sense. Well, I will say this. The gift of being diagnosed with a mental illness at the age of 20 is that since I am a naturally curious person, I have spent the past 17 years understanding my mind. That was the gift of being diagnosed with some, a doctor's telling me, psychiatrist telling me you're mentally ill. I really am grateful that I have that fire inside of me that's like, you're going to tell me I'm ill. You're going to tell me something's wrong with me. I'm going to learn everything about it. So I have spent pretty much, what, like almost half of my life understanding my mind. And, and here's the thing about bipolar disorder, right? Bipolar disorder is just two sides of us, right? We all have a duality. We all have the conflict inside of us. We all like, should I do it? Should I not do it? Or I want to do this, but I should do this. And I think of it as our higher self versus our ego, right? Our higher consciousness, yeah. the one that is our wise self, the one that is just pure hearted. And then we have our ego who is wounded, who is traumatized, takes everything personally, who's kind of control us. We all have parts to us. And so if you want to take it a step further, instead of saying, Bob, I have two sides to me. And one of them is volatile Vasavi. Volatile Vasavi is an egomaniac and extremely angry and and is, you know, takes everything personally and is mean to myself and, and can talk mean about people in her head. And then you have Vivacious Vasavi, who's just on fire and she's passionate. So I'm going to ask you guys to really think about those two voices in your head. One, you know, in your head, one of them is going to be, you know, for CJ, you know, you told me a little bit about you. Maybe one of them is like cocky CJ. Like, you know, you're like, and then, and then the other side of CJ is conscious CJ, the one that's more conscious, right? The one that's like higher self, the one that's more centered and grounded. But we have those sides to us. And it's not about hating one or the other. It's just making peace with it. One side is trying to get our attention. The other side is trying to move forward. It's not about, you know, people say like, oh, I hate my ego. Your ego was, was created to protect you. So you survive. You. So you survive. <laughs> like there's nothing to hate. It's just about accepting all those parts to you. I know those sides of myself. I know the sides of myself that I'm not necessarily proud of, but I'm also not ashamed of it because that too needs love. That part of me needs love too. And it's the parts of ourselves that we don't love that we reject, which is why we resort to shitty relationships, shitty jobs, alcohol, drugs, all of it. You get it. And it's it's awesome how you mentioned cocky and conscious, right? Sorry, I wasn't trying my, to cut you. No, 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 no. I, I, I love that because, I mean, I own my shit. Yeah. I, I've definitely been called cocky in my life, mm -hmm. but it comes from the ego of I want to achieve. Yes. And that is not a bad thing. Like no. wanting to progress is not a bad thing, but there's a way to do it. And a, a good example is like, we're sitting here talking and I love being in groups and talking. So I drive the discussion a lot. Mm -hmm. So old me would drive the discussion and, and compete with the discussion and want to overwhelm the discussion. Like that's cocky attitude, right? But conscious me is I want to 
get other people involved in the discussion. Because if we have more points of views, the discussion is better. So I had to transition my my world and for anybody listening, what she means by like accepting your your whole self is the cocky part of me will start the conversation. And there needs to be people out there that'll start the conversation, mm-hmm. right? So the cocky side of me is like, I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna start this conversation. Mm-hmm. The conscious side of me is like, okay, I started the conversation. Now I'm gonna shut the hell up and let somebody else talk. So I love that you brought those up. And it's it's interesting because this is the first time we've actually met in person. But those two would, and I think my wife would attest to that, is that is me. Like the two battle sides is the conscious versus competitive cocky side is I'm always thinking about other people, but I'm also like, I want to push the pedal to the metal. Like you're going to know that I'm pushing the pedal to the metal and then like, I don't care. And these two things. So I've battled that my entire life. And I think a lot of people could relate to that. And I just want to say this, right? It takes one to know one, right? I I believe spot it. You got it. If I can see cocky in you, or that's your shadow side, that's the dark side of us. It's because I have it in myself. And I think it's just, I just want to make that very clear. I'm not actually calling you cocky, but we all have those sides to ourselves. Like the side of me is, I'm like the female version of that. I always start the conversation. I'm always like, well, let me see how much, like how I can one up you, how yep. smart I am. <laughs> let me make sure I'm name dropping. Let me, do, I know that part of myself. And it's the part of self that wants to be seen and that wants to matter right? We talk about going back to four years old. All I've ever wanted was to matter. And so I had to find a way to make myself matter. Like I had to make myself matter for myself behind closed doors. So I just started working with a personal trainer. Uh, Her name is Kat at Athletic Outcomes. Awesome. Dude, best decision I made. Started using prep to your door. The, the vegan meal delivery. Well, guess who was on the podcast yesterday? The owner. Fias. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's one of my best friends. That's amazing. Yeah. The food is phenomenal. I was raised vegetarian. I, I feel so great with the food, like 10 stars. I'm, I'm a huge fan, but it was those little things that I wasn't doing to take care of myself. I gained a significant amount of weight when I was in recovery and I just needed to start taking care of myself behind closed doors. I had to make myself matter. So it was those little things. I'm like, why am I struggling so hard? Well, like, let me get off the struggle bus. Let me get some help. So I, I started working with a personal trainer three days a week. By the way, I went to plant-based culinary school. I know how to cook, but I was like, I'm running a business. I'm doing this. Like, I just need someone to send me my food. So it's like, I'm not telling everyone to go out and get food delivery, but the thing that we are seeking the most from others, we have to give it to ourselves. That is really what I'm trying to say here is that I've known from a young age that my worth has always come from other people noticing me. And because of that, I've really ended up in some pretty bad places with some pretty unworthy people unworthy men, relationships. And I don't blame any of them. It's because I allowed it in my life. I allowed it in my life because I didn't know how to give it to myself. So I was trying to get it from everybody else. And so now it's, I'm responsible for that. Everything that I'm seeking. Complete ownership. Complete ownership. Everything that I'm seeking from everybody else, boss, you got to give it to yourself. And that's what I'm doing. And that's why I feel good. I feel, you know, I got to say this. I used to be that person. If you were to ask me, like, how are you doing? I'd be like, everything's great, but I'm not an everything's great, but girl. And it's like, I really feel blessed that it's because I took charge of my happiness and learning to generate your own happiness is the best thing that you can do for yourself and to no longer put your emotional eggs in somebody else's basket. Like it is not your job to see me. It is not your job to make me happy. It is not your job to validate me. It is my job to do that. And that is why we end up in shitty relationships and feeling empty because we're trying to get it from everybody else. 
And that's what makes you great for whoever you're working with. Because again, to your dad's point of whether you're qualified yeah. or not, like that's what I hate that, whether you're qualified, it's life experience is what gives you yeah. the ability to relate. And storytelling is, is super helpful when it comes to clients. And one of the things and the stories that help the most is we got to get close to wrapping up here, unfortunately, but what are you struggling with today? So, because life isn't just pieces of cream, you don't just wake up and I'm like, I'm happy now. I'm I'm the I'm the new me. Mm -hmm. It's because like for myself, I battle every single day, even though like I'm this new me that I love. Right? What are some of the struggles as a business owner and a human that you're that you still have today that could potentially relate to whoever's out there listening? I always, no matter how much I do, and I'm very efficient with my time, and I get a lot of stuff done. I got I got a lot of stuff done. I'm very structured and scheduled. I have a plan. I never quite feel like I'm doing enough. And I want to make this very clear. I don't think that I'm not enough. I, as a, as a human being, child of God, am more than enough, but I never feel like I'm doing enough. I never, it's like my work is never done, right? And so I have to shift that perspective from my work is done for today and tomorrow's a new day. I can't get it all done in one day. Uh, I also struggle with a lot with, I feel like sometimes... Not that I wasted time, but there was like a good chunk of my 30s. Like it was from basically 31 to 37, you know, where I was in toxic relationship, using a lot of cocaine, still making like eight to 10 grand a month in my coaching and therapy business. But I lost a lot of time, I feel sometimes. So I sometimes still, I have to talk myself off that ledge. Like, oh, you wasted time. You're this. And I'm but like, you no. still got so yeah, much time. Yeah, you still got so much time. And so the shift in perspective is, no, I haven't lost anything because like, for those six years, shit that I should have been doing in my business for six years, I'm doing it now because when you're clear and you're focused, you have momentum. So it doesn't matter. Those six years have brought me to where I am today. So that's some of the things that I struggle with, but nothing really feels like a struggle. I got to be I gotta be honest because I'm able to take it and see the lesson in it right away. I, I refuse to live in that. I refuse to live in that this is a struggle. I'm like, where's the opportunity here? Where can I grow from this? I refuse to live on the struggle bus. So I, I just... Not to paint it like a pretty picture, everything's great. I refuse to live on the struggle bus. If something feels challenging, I'm like, what do I need to do to figure it out? Where can I grow? How can I evolve from this, you know? Yeah, because if you've already went through what you've went through. Nothing is a struggle. Nothing, from yeah. yeah. Exactly. I went to school at Rutgers Camden for a little bit. And to save money, I would pay my roommates to sleep on their couch instead of having my own room. Because like I had this idea in my mind, I was like, I want to save my money because like I want to travel and do these other things, which eventually I did and led to better things in my mm -hmm. life. I'll have discussions with people and they'll, they'll be in fear. They're living in the, the scarcity mindset. And what created the abundant mindset for me is like, if I could thrive on a couch at this little school in like one of the worst areas to live in mm -hmm. the country, What's stopping me from thriving anywhere else? Like yeah, I'm just not worried, right? Yeah. Um, now I still have that loop in my in my mind. We all do. We're humans, but it's it's a very similar thing. And I love your answer because it relates to me. And I I don't always push that on people because I kid you not, I went on a family vacation with my family, and something happened, and I said something, and uh, my brother goes, "You can't always be positive." Old me would have just like went off, but this was last fall. And I just walked out and it saddened me that he had that mindset. Like I can always choose to be positive. Now, it doesn't mean that every situation is positive. It doesn't mean that like what's happening in my life externally or internally is great. I have the choice of being like, you know what? And I love what you said. What can I take from this 
so I can be better moving forward. And I think a lot of people out there can one relate to relate to that and how you were just explaining it. But then two, moving from this is just like, you can always choose that light. You can always choose your fire, no matter if mental illness, sobriety, non-sobriety, any of these things, the choice is ultimately yours. And that's the beauty of living in, in this country is like, we do have a choice to live in that positive mindset. But unfortunately, we got to get to wrapping up. And I have one last question for you. It's out of everything we talked about and everything that you've learned, moving forward, where do you hope to be in five, 10, 15 years? Now that you're kind of on this journey of you saw the past seven years of transformation, where do you hope to be on this, this journey now moving forward? I would love to be impacting millions. Like I would love to keep using my voice to help people think differently about themselves and what's possible and allow people to give themselves a chance like to be different because I think people are afraid to change because it's scary because not everyone changes. And when you change, you have the possibility of being alone. And this is a lonely path. I don't live with my family. My family's on the East Coast. I'm here. I'm a single chick. I'm by myself. And I love it because it's like, I'm really, really particular about my space. So it's like, I hope I can share everything as I become more of Vasavi because there's even more. If you think I'm on yeah. fire, there's even <laughs> more of me. This, I'm, this is probably just a percent of it. But like my 50% is most people 100%. So I'm very aware that there's so much more to me. I can't wait to find out who that Vasavi is and like who is she when she's unleashed, like beast mode, right? And so I really hope to be impacting millions, millions of people. That just shows the growth within me because I normally would never share that because I'd feel like saying that is too much and it's whimsical. But the more I get to the core of why I've been put here and really start to use my voice and just speak it unabashedly, just the more unapologetic I am about what I want. And like, I want to influence tons of people to think differently about themselves. Like, I want people to believe that they can be, do, and have anything that they want. I really just want that. that. That's all I want. I think the world would be a better place if people just realized that they are in complete control over what they allow and choose to think. We may not have control right now, what it seems like, about systemic oppression, institutionalized racism. There's a lot that we feel like we can't control because they, they seem bigger. Like, there are huge structures in place, but we do have control over what we think. And I, it's, it, for me, everything starts with your mind. You have a mind, but you are not your mind. And so this is, it's like this balance that we have to deal with. I mean, that's always been me, me being the mentally ill one. I've learned how to navigate my mind and make it work for me. So I love that. And my goal has always been to help a million people. And the way that I go about it is helping people that help other people. Yeah. So I would love for you, how can people connect with you so that you can start on that path to, to millions? So I talk to every single person if they want to DM me on my Instagram at Higher Vasavi. It's a play on words, H-I-G-H-E-R, Higher Vasavi. Um, if you go to my website at vasavikumar.com, it's very clear that you can book a call and talk to me for 25 minutes. I want to talk to every single person that wants to potentially work with me. So just go to my website or go to my Instagram page. Awesome. It's been such a freaking pleasure. This has been a great conversation. And again, appreciate you reaching out. And anybody else out there, take a page out of Vasavi's book. If you see something and you like it and you connect with it, 
what do you have to lose to reach out? Reach out, grab for what you deserve. And what she's been preaching this whole time is start working on your mind. I can relate to that and I want to push that. And again, just thank you guys for listening. This has been an awesome podcast. If there's one thing you can actually do to help me and I'm trying to get better at this is I'm going to take some <laughs> energy from you is promoting myself. If you can just either follow my podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and give me a review, it'll help more people see it and more people hear this. And again, that'll help my guests right here get to her millions, which I think she will. She has the patience, she has the attitude, and I'm looking forward to maybe another conversation again in the future. So this is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on y'all.